There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. When you become a parent, you reevaluate the risks in your life. As you welcome your child into the world, you realize how much they depend on you and the impact on their life if you weren't around to support them. When your child starts walking, climbing, hanging and falling, you're constantly assessing the risks around you from killer plugs to steep stairs. But you realize too that risk is an important part of living a full and rewarding life. In fact, a life with no risk is so boring you'd have to ask if it's worth living. When my husband climbed Everest this year, we had endless conversations with my children about calculating risk, that fine balance of living life to the full but not being reckless. Well, my guest today is a man who has written a whole book about fathers who take risk to another level. Daredevil Dads chronicles the lives of a group of men whose jobs are some of the most dangerous on the planet. Tam Rodwell, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so I've been loving Daredevil Dads. I've been reading it to the kids. And um, you know what? For them, it's really refreshing that their daddy doesn't have the most dangerous job on the planet. <laughs> um, but what inspired you to write the book? Um, I think I was, um, I've always been sort of fascinated with people's, uh, I suppose, different takes on fear. You know, you all sort of grew up with that kid who was not scared to jump off the roof, you know, and I was sort of always that one who was a bit reluctant because I thought if I do that I'm going to hurt myself so I kind of took that sort of concept and then broadened a little bit by uh, including people that were fathers because obviously that's a risk in itself and if you have children and something happens to you you know you leave people behind so I kind of melted those two things together and sort of came up with the concept. Yeah are you a daredevil dad yourself? No I'm not I wish I was I've always uh, dreamed of uh, doing those amazing things but I think I was always just a little bit too scared of uh, of the end result so I kind of opted out and chose a, a safer career in life. Yeah. Um, I think risk is something that all of us parents obsess over. Um, for me, I remember it started when I was pregnant and I, I ate taramasalata one day and I suddenly thought, oh my God, what have I done to my baby? And of course, it was absolutely fine because it's fine to eat taramasalata. But I, th- I always say to girls on the bump class, you know, you've got to try and stop the worrying because while you've got a baby in your tummy, you can totally control that baby but once they start crawling and walking and going to school and then you know going off on a gap year you suddenly lose control but you kind of can't keep them too close what's your attitude with, to risk and and did, did the book did writing the book and meeting all these amazing people change your attitude to risk um I, I think it was sort of fascinating for me to find out that they actually don't perceive it as that risky they I Time and time again, they would say things like, well, you know, it's, it's just as dangerous to get in your car and, and drive down the highway. So, I mean, you know, the things that they're doing are, 
you know, there's, there's astronauts, there's uh, paratroopers, like really quite quite dangerous jobs. But they sort of see it as a kind of a calculated risk. They know what's involved, they're prepared for it, and they they pretty much sort of uh, they have confidence in their own ability to be able to come through in that situation. You know, it's not there's uh, very little sort of guesswork, I suppose you could say, and and that's pretty typical of most of the guys in the book I think though they're very confident with their own their own abilities yeah no and that makes total sense you know you look at um I mean you did a chapter on Evil Knievel and he didn't just get on a motorbike and think right what can I jump over he obviously spends a lot of time and energy and you know has a whole team of people assessing the risk of what he's going to do and trying to mitigate that risk oh definitely yeah I mean it was um Evil Knievel was the uh you know the the godfather of uh, modern day extreme sports, I suppose. So, you know, it was just kind of looking out. It all started and, you know, most little kids sort of know his name, even though he's been been dead for quite a while. It's, uh, yeah, something that they sort of look up to. And, uh, you know, I, I always dreamed of jumping over buses or, or whatnot. But, um, you know, these guys sort of looked at him and then, kind of moulded their career on him, I guess, a little bit. Well, it was interesting with Evil Knievel, who, whose son also did that kind of thing but the grandson was very risk averse and he was very happy to leave the dramatics up to his father and grandfather yeah yeah i think it sort of skipped a generation yeah because i asked the uh the granddaughter of uh evil knievel to actually write the forward for the book and that was kind of an interesting concept because she obviously was um her grandfather was evil knievel wasn't jumping when she was um when he was alive when she was but um her, her father, Robbie Knievel, was a famous jumper as well and she sort of lived through that kind of emotion of seeing her dad take risks every single day and it was interesting to get that sort of perspective from a child and, and the worry that she felt all the time, knowing that he could die, you know, literally at any moment. So it's, um, that, that was a really fun part of the book to sort of get to know her and find out all about the, the world that she sort of lived in. Because it's different. I wonder how many of them, you know, that their, their attitude to risk changed once they became parents because a lot of them had obviously started these careers before they became parents and certainly for me and I think for for Ben my husband you know he he definitely reevaluated his attitude to risk since we've had children that doesn't mean he doesn't do it anymore but it makes you realize how lost the people you love the most would be without you yeah I, I think also that they really um a lot of them could never give it up it, it just it is who they are you know and I think if they they're all aware that it's dangerous but they just sort of I guess the overlying thing was they just couldn't stop themselves doing it because that's what they were just born to do you know and it's uh they they try really hard to kind of keep it safe you know but they they know it's a risk and they have lots of conversations with their partners about you know should I do this and and should I do that and and many of them have had life-threatening you know situations where they you know they have died and, and been brought back um you know so that's very scary and and I did a, a a chapter on um, a wingsuit pilot, which uh, and he actually had a, a double parachute malfunction, and that was a turning point in his life. And he realised that he just couldn't do it anymore, and he walked away from the sport after that point. And, that and how he did he done. survive that double parachute he, malfunction? He just got his uh, second one un- untangled um, within a, I think, a couple of seconds too late, and he would have um, not had enough. He would have just hit the ground basically. So he just had enough that he was able to get down the ground safely but yeah I mean that was that was a really scary moment for him and that was yeah just someone who just couldn't do it anymore and he just thought about his daughter and and leaving her behind and then that was it so he's kind of uh, walked away from the whole thing now so there's a few incidents like that in the book where men sort of really reevaluated their their life choices after something like that happens. Who do you think is the most daredevil character in the book? 
Oh, that's a really hard one. I don't know. Um, I think I'm a surfer myself, so I did a did a chapter on um, Shane Dorian, who's one of the most famous big wave surfers in the world. And I mean, so perhaps because I can relate to it a little bit. But yeah, I mean, these guys are just they're pushing the boundaries of, of the kind of waves that are the size of like you know massive buildings, and, and they're getting held underwater for sometimes you know a minute at a time, you know, being thrashed around and. Yeah, I just marvel at it. I just just can't believe they they can do it. It's so unbelievable. Yeah, and I suppose when it comes to the sea, you know, it's a beast in itself. It's unpredictable, yeah. oh, and totally, yeah. and you know, you, you it's so much of it is out of your control. You can be really organised. You can yeah. have made sure you've made it as safe as possible, but you know, the sea throws stuff at us that. Yep, it doesn't really care who you are. So it's a yeah, it was um, a fascinating chapter, but it was you know nice to be able to sort of meet people and, and have them really sort of open up because I think it's a it's quite a new concept I mean they've been interviewed obviously multiple times but never actually solely about kind of being a parent you know so a lot of people really wouldn't normally do interviews I suppose gave me a lot of their um you know like personal information you know they're really kind of they're in a hopes and fears about you know what it's like raising children so that was that was really nice so. and some of them hadn't even been interviewed at all I mean the smoke jumper he hadn't told his story at all had no he? yeah I mean you know I found a lot of really obscure jobs that um you know I'd never even heard of a smoke jumper when I first started and so let's just clarify what is a smoke jumper a smoke jumper is um basically a an aerial firefighter they uh they get they parachute into areas where small scrub fires have started and they actually put them out by hand so they don't have any water or anything so they might dig a trench around the uh the fire itself so it can kind of burn itself out so they're the kind of guys who stop the big fires before they get going in areas that you just couldn't get to by a car you can only get there by a plane so and obviously the risk is sort of twofold because you're parachuting into often a sort of wooded oh, the, place he's landed in trees you know like m more times than you can count and you know, he says that once he's been caught in a few bushfires and, and that they can actually, like, bushfires can burn faster than you can run sometimes. That's what he said. So he's, he's literally been chased by flames, you know, on, on multiple occasions. So it's, it's pretty risky and, you know, and there's, no, there's no one there to help you. You know, you've got to get yourself out of there. They sort of have to hike out at the end of the day when they finish their day's work. So it's pretty... It's pretty full on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the idea of being parachuted into a fire that mm. everyone else is running away from. But, yep. it, it, you mm. know, it's the only way to stop it, isn't it? Yeah, it is really. I mean, uh, the small fire like, can turn into a large fire, especially, I mean, he's working in northern California and, and the, you know, the kind of climate they have up there and the, and the fuel that will, will um, burn is um, just, the fires can just take off so quickly. So that's why they, I mean, there's only 450, I think, smoke jumpers in the USA so it's a very small amount of people and they just do it in the USA do they they do do it in other parts of the world but that's the, Northern California is particularly like famous for them yeah they're a very specialized group though so and did you ever find that it had an impact on the relationship with their partner because obviously it's one thing if you're making taking this risk but you know did any of them have an experience where their partners just said I, I can't deal with this anymore on a day-to-day -day yeah basis? no there's definitely a few there's been a few um divorces uh, throughout the book you know a lot of people couldn't handle it um i i guess yeah i mean um i mean being an astronaut for example you, not, not only is that risky but you're gone for very long periods of yeah time. um yeah he was gone for sometimes up to 160 days at a time so he was essentially like leaving his wife at home to you know raise five kids by herself and, and stuff but i mean she understood that that's what he wanted to do and he was never going to be happy unless he did it so you know, I think a lot of the partners that these guys have are really understanding, you know, and I mean, you would 
probably know yourself from what Ben does. You know, he just he has to do what he wants to do, and you know, you need to sort of support that as best you can. I think they're yeah. I mean, I think it's it it depends slightly what you sign up to. You know, he proposed to me when he'd rode across the Atlantic, so I kind of knew this was what I was getting involved in. I think I'd feel differently if he was like an accountant and then was like oh you know what I'm now I'm going to climb Everest because I'm having a bit of a midlife crisis and I think I'd find that harder to deal with but you know I've got friends who who've got you know husbands who are in the army are often away for long periods of time or even you know in special forces and and that you know the one thing I take solace of with Ben is that no one's actually trying to kill him when he goes to work goes away <laughs> but um I think you know it, it, it's one of those things that you know if you if someone's clear about it as you kind of make that commitment then it's a little bit more difficult to say mind you can always change your mind when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you feel that um, we... I mean, you've obviously got two children yourself. I do, yes. You've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. Yeah, Lily, Josephine and uh, Huey. And um, did you find that writing this book and being around so many of these daredevil dads, it altered your attitude to parenting and how we parent our, our children? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I, uh, I sort of, uh, I think I noticed with, uh, with the book is that many of the children of, of the men are actually like are kind of following in the footsteps of their, of their fathers, you know, and that's pretty scary I suppose for them a lot of them are a little bit worried about it a lot of them encourage it it was sort of a bit it was no kind of clear no one was exactly the same but um yeah I guess I mean I'm not particularly daredevil inclined I'm not sure my kids are either but um do you think as a society we wrap our kids up in cotton wool too much oh definitely I mean I I was uh brought up in uh, Tasmania and essentially like a, a small country town so you know there were there were no soft play centers or, or anything like that so I often sometimes find I, I can't really experience the same kind of upbringing that I had with my own children because London's such a different place. So I sort of stand around in soft play centres where everything's kind of safe and... and risk and, assessed. And, and risk assessed. And I sort of wonder, this really wasn't what my childhood was like. So, you know, we, we try and get them out in the, in the country as much as possible and let them run around and kind of, you know, fall over, but, but not too much. But... Um, yeah, yeah, I guess it's, you know... Well, that's how they learn, isn't it? You yeah, know, you've got yeah. to fall out of a tree or fall down some stairs to realise that you can fall down some stairs. Yeah, I think it's, it's sort of a good analogy for life. I mean, there's, you know, whether it's like mental or, or physical experiences, there's very rarely a, a nice uh, cushy mat at the bottom when you fall out of or get into trouble, you know. So I'm not sure soft play centres are really the best place for 
kids to learn about what's yeah. going to happen in real life. Yeah. And also, I suppose there's an argument too that it's better for them to sort of take those risks when they're younger and their bodies are less likely to get damaged or more likely to recover more quickly. I mean, your bones are more malleable when you're younger. Well, I think for, probably for that very reason, yeah, definitely. I, I think I'd rather have my child decide to jump out of a tree when he's eight uh, as opposed to 18 and maybe had a few beers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone yeah. around him yeah. has has had beers. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I give my kids knives and we've had cuts and, you know, and it's all fine, you know, a few stitches, worst case scenario. And, and they learn how to use a knife. But I guess if you're not exposing them to that, then, you know, one of our but our job is to really prepare them for life and life is not going to be always a soft play area. No, no, it's not. And especially in a, you know, a big city like London, I suppose it's, um, yeah, I mean, I sort of try not to think about it too much, but yeah, I mean, they're going to face a lot of, um, you know, pretty uh, scary situations, I guess, in the coming years. So, you know, we try and do our best to kind of perhaps, you know, prepare them for that. So, so when writing the book, um, I mean, you've obviously got an amazing collection of people that you've interviewed. Who did you enjoy meeting the most? Who who was the most inspiring, I suppose, out of, out of um, your Well, I, I, a lot of them were done via uh, on the phone and, and via email, but I, I was uh, lucky enough to meet Damon Hill, who I've always uh, really admired as a sportsman. So that was, that was pretty amazing. I was uh, very starstruck and uh, tried to be... Very cool, and I'm not sure it worked, but um, yeah, he was <laughs> just so nice, just the, the most humblest guy you've ever met. Really, just, yeah. You know, people always sort of say you should never meet your heroes because they're never the, the same in real life, but he was he was totally awesome. So, yeah. and that's a great that's a great uh, message, I think, for children that success shouldn't go to your head, and that actually you've almost got more of a responsibility to be humble and down to earth if you are in in the sort of public eye, if you are a sort of adored character. Um, that you know those manners reply, apply to all of us, however you know amazing and successful you are. Um, and which was your which did you enjoy writing the most? Which which story inspired you the most? I mean, I think um, I think I probably really enjoyed writing the Smoke Jumper because I I sort of found him almost by accident, and and it was a job that I had no idea that even. How did you find him? I just wrote to a a guy who ran a, a fire. A website like a fire aviation site and I said look do you have anyone who's done anything kind of crazy in the in the world of firefighting and he's like yeah I've got a guy and he he obviously had to have a, ch a child as well to qualify for the book um yeah and he's, he's been um he's 70 now I think he's been fighting fires for you know 50 years um and he's he's sort of written a few things and he'd, his wife had always been badgering him to kind of write his life story and um then I sort of came along and did it for him so he was I think really, I was really happy that he was happy that someone had taken interest in his life and, and kind of written it down. And, um, and he's, in, in the last year since I've written the book, he's actually uh, been diagnosed with cancer, so he's quite ill. So it's sort of a nice little kind of a, uh, something nice for him, I suppose, you know, to get a really good catalogue of his life. And it was pretty special. So, yeah. Really yeah, I mean, because I'm sure there are so many people in life who <clears> were <throat> incredibly brave and incredibly daring whose lives went undocumented if you think yeah. 100 200 300 400 years ago yeah definitely yeah i mean it's just not a <clears throat> it's not a, a well-known profession you know it's like different if you're a formula one driver everyone knows who you are but like someone like him is just completely obscure and you know he's responsible for saving thousands of lives and land and livestock you know over the course of his career and he just never been acknowledged so it's nice to kind of get those guys a bit of um We'll get them in the public eye and get it get it out there. So yeah, good. and also putting them on the same platform as someone like Damon Hill, who <laughs> is sort of internationally known. Definitely, and just yeah. There's a few people in the book like that who are complete, completely obscure, and and um, yeah, it's really 
uh, they're really pleased to kind of, you know, be acknowledged along with people like Damon. Yeah. One of the things that um, struck me was that these men uh, are very brave and they, you know, risk is, is a big part of their everyday life, but that doesn't stop them from being sensitive. And I think that's a really important message for our children that, you know, being a man isn't all about being gung-ho and, um, you know, not, not being allowed to be emotional. I think that's possibly one way that we parents are bringing up our children maybe slightly differently in, in this generation. Did it strike you that they were, were, were there any that weren't very sensitive? I know, I know that you mentioned, uh, or that even evil's granddaughter said, you know, he was, he was badass, but he was actually one of the most sensitive people you'd ever meet. Yeah. I think they sort of, they were all pretty, I guess, cause they, they face risk every day. They kind of, Maybe they appreciated more of what they had because they'd, they'd been so close to death so many times. I think that was perhaps a bit of an underlying theme of the book. But most people don't think about dying, I suppose, but these guys face it every day. So they really kind of appreciated their, their time with their, with their family and, 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 and knew how much it meant, you know, if they were to kind of, something was to happen. So I suppose that was, that was something interesting about it. And they weren't, weren't as uh, scared to talk about it as I, might have, as I thought they might have been, you know. So that was good to, for them to open up and tell me all about that. So one of the things that struck me is that you talked about parenting as, as well as their exploits and, and their experiences of parents and you asked them whether or not, you know, they would have done anything differently. And the smoke jumper said, you know, if I look back, I mean, how old is he now? The, oh, he's the smoke 70, jumper? 70 odd now. Yeah, yeah, so he's got grandchildren. And yep. you said, you know, is there anything you'd have done differently as a parent? And he didn't say, I'd have chosen a, you know, a more sedate job. I would have chosen a job that worried my children less. He said, you know, at the end of the day, what I realize was that spending time with your children is the most precious thing and he said I wish I was I was very focused on my career and I loved it and it was very rewarding but I wish I hadn't been so preoccupied by my career I wish we'd had two week holiday instead of a one week holiday I wish you know and it was a sort of simple holiday but he said it just makes you realize that time is the most precious thing you can give your kids yeah I think it was it was a really delicate balance with with almost all of the men in, in the book you know because they had the kind of jobs that were really challenging and um and it kind of required a lot of their time, I guess. And, you know, it was trying to find the balance between making themselves happy and being fulfilled and also spending time with their kids. And I think most of them got it pretty right. I mean, you're always going to have a few regrets, but, you know, at the end of the day, they were happy within themselves. Um, and I think for me, that's probably the thing I really um, enjoyed about sort of finding out is that if you're not happy within yourself, it's very difficult to to be a happy parent and, and, and to parent well. So that's that was a really good lesson for me, I think, you know, that they they were a little bit selfish in some ways, but that also that paid dividends because they were, um, you know, really engaging, engaged with their children and, and they were really like sort of, uh, I don't know, they, they enjoyed doing things with their kids and, and, and their kids being a part of what they did as well and they could just sort of enjoy it together. So that was, that was nice. And it makes you realise, uh, you mentioned this in your, in your introduction, that, you know, parenting is a great leveller. And actually, wherever you come from, whether you're Damon Hill or, you know, a, a, a surfer or you or me, anyone really, what we want is the best for our kids. You know, we love them so much. We will do anything to make them happy and content and create, make them into strong, happy well-balanced individuals and whatever your job is you know that's probably the thing that you will be most grateful for in life oh definitely yeah yeah 
And one of my favorite quotes, as you said, parenting, as you'll discover, levels the playing field no matter who you are. You see at 3 a.m. when a baby is crying, no <laughs> one cares that you can jump 14 buses on a motorbike. Yeah, that's um, pretty much how it is. Uh, I think, you know, they gave up a lot of really funny stories about, you know, parenting failures, I suppose, and it just kind of just brought home the fact that even though they could do these amazing things, they were just exactly the same as, as you and I, and they'd made so many mistakes, and, and, you know, and it's just... It's nice to see that sort of human side of people because a lot of these guys are, you know, very famous and, you know, you only really see the glitz and the glamour. But um, in this book sort of just gives them that kind of bit more of the human touch and it was nice to kind of write about that and, you know, get something out of them that nobody's ever got out of them before. So that was, that was good. What was your best story when it came to parenting fails? Because that's something you asked all your, your <coughs> interviews, is, wasn't it? The, uh, what, what, what was your biggest parenting fail? Yeah, I think um, it, the best one, I think, was about uh, Damon, who's actually in uh, the second book. He's not in this one. But, um, yeah, he was, uh, I think, back when his kids were about four years old, uh, he was taking them in a double buggy. And he was uh, running a little bit late and he actually like crashed it and they both uh, fell out and got <laughs> bloodied on the on the sidewalk. He fell over the top of them as well. But, you know, the, yeah, this the, is in public, is it? Yeah, in public. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that, that exact same time he was um, beating Michael Schumacher, who was probably the best driver of all time. So he could he could beat Michael Schumacher, but he couldn't essentially control a plastic chair with four wheels. So, you know, that was that was pretty funny. So it was, <laughs> so a lot of people were quite amazed I got that out of him, but it was uh, probably one of the best uh, stories in the book well he'd probably never been interviewed about being a parent before he'd probably only been talking about his formula one career yeah mostly but yeah i i i, I really dug quite deep with a lot of them and you know i got some really good gems of stories like that that came out of it so that was that was really interesting um well daredevil dads is out now it's available on amazon um i'm sure that listening to this you'll be as aware as i am that it's a brilliant book i've been really enjoying reading it to my kids um i think you know as they get a bit older they like having a bit of non-fiction mixed in with the fiction and it's something that has given us lots of food to, for thought as a family uh so tam thank you so much for coming along today right, thank you it's been an absolute pleasure really enjoyed having you you mentioned you're in the middle of writing your second book yeah it's uh daredevil dads part two i had so many uh, uh, men in the uh, in the mix that we had to uh, do a second book so that'll be out in uh, a couple of months I hope so so yeah. in that book you've interviewed Damon Hill you mentioned anyone yeah. else uh, Serrano Fines uh, the famous explorer and uh, yeah lots of other people firemen everything that you could sort of think of so yeah perfect well that's available on Amazon um, do take a look at it I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Parenthood uh, please do share our podcast if you've enjoyed listening to it and if you'd like to get in touch or suggest any future subjects um, that we'll cover please do get in touch with us via Instagram we're at theparent.hood but in the meantime thanks for listening When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.